Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast. I'm your host, PD. I am joined today by the birthday boy, Eric Seeds. Happy birthday, man. Thanks, buddy. I spent my uh spent the morning of my birthday making sauce and meatballs and watching Goodfellas. So, you know, I feel like I was living my best life this morning. That's uh, that's a pretty good day. Another group that is having a relatively good time lately. The Blue Jackets, who have earned points in five of their last six games, uh, that is something that we could talk about today. We could talk about all of the crazy trades that happened over the weekend in the NHL, some big players moving. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to, at least not right away, instead we're going to talk about the player that has not yet moved, Vladislav Gavrikov. Now, this is, there's you know, there was so much information flying around uh, once he started, you know, being sat for trade-related reasons and not playing, which the team is three, two, and two since he's been sitting out, which I don't know what that says, but dear other NHL clubs, don't listen to that. <laughs> yeah. Then on Thursday night, to lots of people's surprise, the Boston Bruins, who had been rumored to be the team to get Gavrikov, a deal was supposedly in place. And then instead they traded with the Washington Capitals for Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway. And they sent a bunch of picks to Washington and Craig Smith got rid of that contract, all that uh, great trade for Boston, great trade for Washington. But then the Jackets were left 
holding the bag on Gavrikov. He continued to sit out over the weekend. Uh, uh, no new trade is in place yet, but obviously that is still something that should be happening. Uh, Toronto traded on Monday for Jake McCabe, so that takes them out of the market for a defenseman. You know, maybe L.A., maybe Edmonton. Mm. There are, you know, reports out there that the Jackets were maybe reluctant to retain salary or to take on a bad contract. Uh, maybe reluctant to trade a Matthew Olivier type that Boston was looking for. So there's stuff that's been rumored, stuff that confirmed. We just don't know. There's just, there's a whole lot of feelings going on here. I've got a lot of thoughts myself, but uh, yeah, Seeds, what's, what's your take on this? So uh, I'm going to try and be as fair and level-headed about this as possible, because obviously I think Yarmo, <laughs> I, th- I think Yarmo royally screwed the pooch here, but it, so from, from what I've gathered from reporting, it sounds like heading into last Thursday, say, or last Wednesday night, we had agreed for about a week or so on the framework of a trade of like Vladislav Gavrikov trade to Boston might look like something around a first and a third Gavrikov going to Boston. We were it's, and it sounds like, like Boston could not take Gavrikov's cap hit. They just, they they couldn't make the money work in some way, shape or form. We were going to have to, the Columbus blue jackets were going to have to take a bad contract back. IE Craig Smith, who is a, who it should be noted is a UFA expiring at the end of the year. That is a, that is a contract that it goes off the books on June 30th. It doesn't matter. Or we were going to have to retain on Vladislav Gavrikov. And it sounds like Columbus is reluctant, was reluctant to do that. Because they were hell bent on, or from what it sounds like on reporting, taking that first round pick from Boston, flipping it with one of their own picks and maybe some other prospects, Denton Matejchuk, for example, something along those lines, to Arizona for Jacob Chikrin, mm-hmm. which they would have needed that they would have needed the cap space that they then couldn't retain or take right. on a bad contract that would have priced them out of the Chikrin sweepstakes. Which it should be noted, Chikrin after this season has two years left on his deal, at which point he goes UFA. And it doesn't sound like he's super enthused about the idea of coming to Columbus in the first place. Now, but he, he does not have trade protection though, right? No, he doesn't. But it sounds like Arizona is trying to do right by him. Hmm. Like it, it was reported last summer. I, f- I forget if it was Hedger or Portsline that I saw reported that like there were discussions last summer. Chickering had said, I don't want to go to Columbus, Arizona, like, kibosh that mm-hmm. deal then chikorin said he kind of his interest was kind of like reignited to some extent it's not clear what when johnny gaudreau signed here but obviously yeah. you know the blue jackets are dead last in the nhl right now can't imagine he'd want to go from arizona to a team that is somehow worse than the coyotes yeah I, I've, I've seen it reported that yeah he is no longer interested in coming yeah. which, which I, can't, yeah, I, yeah. I can't blame him i can't blame him so at that point then Boston, I'm just trying to work through my timeline here. So yeah. then once it becomes clear that Columbus is not taking a bad contract back and they're not retaining a Gavrikov, Boston then goes shopping elsewhere. In which it, at which point, if you are Columbus and it, you have been here over a week and you understand the cap implications for Boston, how is it not like raising red flags Mm-hmm. To to you as a front office that Boston is out shopping this deal around, then it comes out that uh, the deal goes down. 
Um, Garnett Hathaway and uh, Dmitry Orlov are being traded from the Capitals. So, you know, they get like a, uh, a bottom six grinder and a pretty good defenseman who's frankly having a better year than Gavrikov. Um, for first and a third, and then Washington eats the Craig Smith contract. There's a, there's a pick that goes to Minnesota to eat salary somewhere. I'm not entirely sure where mm. offhand. Because frankly, I, w- I was standing in Nationwide Arena with my mom on her birthday when this trade broke 25 minutes before faceoff, and it soured my entire mood, even more than uh, the Jackets no-showing the first five minutes of that game. The way I, and then, you know, there's been reporting that come out that's, that's come out that, like, Columbus thought they had a deal, Boston obviously felt otherwise. My take on that is, unless it has been called in or is in writing, it's not finalized. You, this is the entire point of negotiations. You can shop this stuff around. You can shop your options. You can, if you're Boston, you're saying, "Hey, I, I want a defenseman." Columbus isn't willing to eat salary uh, for whatever reason. Hey, Washington, you're falling off a cliff and you're selling off all your defensemen. You've let it know you're open for business. Why don't you just give us Dmitry Orlov and we'll give you this bad contract in our first round pick? I, I cannot fault Boston one bit for making that, yeah. making that decision. And I should point out that the first person that I saw report about the framework of our deal was Dave Panyota of the fourth period. And what he had phrased it as was frameworks in place, first and a third for Gavrikov, but, you know, Boston has to clear cap space first. And then he said that Columbus was not going to wait forever and that Columbus could take another deal if something else came along. So that's, I thought that, you know, Columbus is the team that could do something else. I wasn't thinking that Boston was the team that was going to do something else because I knew that they were the ones that had to take cap space. And I did see it. It did strike me as a little bit of a red flag when it said that, like, Boston needs to clear cap space. My thought was like, well, why Why isn't why why isn't Columbus helping that? Yeah, especially like. If we've got a, if that's a good deal for us, and to be clear, that's a very good deal for us. A first and a third for Vladislav Gavrikov is yeah. an incredible deal, full stop. Right. So, like, ha- Boston asking for more time, that that shouldn't be good for us. We need to make that deal as soon as possible. And so if it's us, like, having to find another team that can join the deal. Apparently Minnesota, like, call them. They were in town. Yeah. Yeah, like, let's find ways to sweeten the pot. And maybe if we need to send like, oh, here, here's a fifth round pick to help, you know, take a bad contract or whatever, like that, sh- that would be in our interest to do that. So now for, for the people that are, are mad at Boston, like, I do think that that is reasonable. And I do wonder if, and I'm curious as to what effect this will have or with all of the other GMs, could this be an issue in the future dealing with Boston by other people? Just be like a little wary, like, hey, Don Sweeney might, might, you know, pull the rug out under us too. That could happen, but that does not excuse Yarmo to your point because he should be prepared for the fact that these things can change quickly and have a contingency plan in place. His entire, Yarmo's entire job in this situation is to have a contingency plan in place, understand what's going on, and understand that until this thing is called into the league, like, the way I look at it is, the, the, there's only one of two options why this didn't go down. Yeah. Either Yarmo got caught extremely flat-footed because he was either hard-headed or didn't expect Boston to be shopping around, in which case, 
bro, that's your entire job description. You have to be aware and have to be planning right. for this. Or two, ownership refused to retain salary or take a bad contract back because ownership doesn't want to spend the money. Those right. are the th- those two. My opinions are the only two options, and neither of them make this look like a serious, competent organization. Nope. You, it's it, it, you. You either have an incompetent front office that doesn't understand the mechanics of being a general manager in the league after a, a decade, or you have an ownership, uh, an ownership group that is willing to torpedo uh, acquiring a first and a third round pick for hundreds of thousands of dollars when mm-hmm. those picks could potentially become franchise altering players. We've already got our first round pick this year. You can take the Boston pick or you can take the boss the two Boston picks and either flip them into Chickering if you want to, which I personally disagree with, but if Yarmo wants to do that, so be it. But now that that, that chance is gone. Mm-hmm. There's there's and it's over the cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's the neither option looks good and I'm 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 sitting here as a fan left questioning where do we go from here? Because now Toronto's out, as we as we know. Edmonton is reportedly, uh, as I've seen reported earlier today, um, is zeroing in on Matias Ekholm because Nashville is open for business um, with David Poyle retiring at the end of the season, uh, which I guess just leaves L.A. And L.A. is not going to bid against themselves to pony up a first-round pick, especially when they also have interest in Jacob Chikrin. And right. that has been reported repeatedly for the last 18 months. Columbus kind of fumbled the bag here, and I don't know what happens with Gavrikov here. I don't. It, it's it's we're almost approaching a Max Domi situation where we screwed up, we waited a little too long, and now we're going to have to pay other teams to help us out to get even some sort of return for Gavrikov, and that's an embarrassment for this organization when you have one of the reported prizes of the deadline, a guy who's apparently like not happy he's been scratched for this long. Mm-hmm. Is now just sitting around waiting to see what happens come Friday. Like, I, it's it's not a good look for this organization. Like, full stop. Yeah, the you know, and I I think I talked about it a little bit last week. The whole Gavrikov sitting out thing, um, which is very odd because typically when we've seen players sitting out, it's because a deal was imminent. And in the case of like Chekhov and Gavrikov, that was not the case. Now, it seems like within a week or so of Gavrikov starting to sit, that this deal was falling into place. Um, whereas, you know, with Chikrin, it's not. But with Chikrin, he had asked for a trade, you know, for, for at least since the summer. He's been saying with Arizona, like, okay, you've been trying to trade me, but now at least I actually do want to be traded. So he's willing to sit because he's going to get what he wants. Gavrikov didn't want to be traded. Now, he doesn't have a say in the matter. Um, and the Jackets would not be trading him and not sitting him if he had signed an extension. But apparently they were far enough apart on that, which, you know, again, is fine because he's probably asking for – he could probably get more on the market than the Jackets are willing or able to pay, which I'm fine with them not overpaying him based on the way that his plays declined. But, um, yeah, I, I feel for him because – any player that has gotten to this level is enough of a competitor that they want to play the game and he wants to be there for his teammates and for him to just be there, you know, doing the morning skate and that's it. That is super hard for him. And I I thought what happened, like you can't really scratch these guys for two and a half weeks. They can't be not playing for two and a half weeks when they're healthy. Can they? No. And yet here we are. And, you know, you mentioned the thing about Nashville being open for business. 
this is another reason why it would have been prudent to move quickly. Move quickly while we controlled the market. But by waiting, Washington hit a skid, Nashville hit a skid, and then both those front offices made the decision, okay, we are not in contention anymore. Therefore, we are now sellers too. And that totally flips the market because then the advantage is not on the seller side. Now it becomes a buyer's market. And that really, and that's going to hurt our return now. Right, and as you said, right. now, and as other teams have been making moves, the other buyers have got their defensemen. Yeah, the, so the, now, loud, the, yeah. the loud noise, the loud noise you heard in Columbus, Ohio this afternoon wasn't actually tornado sirens. Although <laughs> God, God's Godspeed to everyone. Hope everyone is safe and okay. But that was actually the uh, the sound of Vladislav Gavrikov's trade market bottoming out because we're not. You you can you can cross the idea of a first round pick for Gavrikov off the board. He yeah. might he might fetch a second, yeah. but that's that's it. Like we we waited too long, and this, this, it it again falls back to either this or either the ownership is too cheap, and they didn't want to retain salary, which is absolutely inexcusable in a pro sport. Yeah. I can't I fundamentally can't understand that rationale. Or Yarmo overplayed his hand and got caught flat footed. Yeah, and it's it. The missteps that this front office has made in the last couple of years have been so frequent and so like Johnny Gaudreau fell into the laps. Yes, Johnny, mm-hmm. signing Johnny Gaudreau was obviously great. They they drafted Ken Johnson when they had the fifth overall pick. I love Ken Johnson. They mm-hmm. they 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 got Kirill Marchenko, brought him over. I love that. Seth Jones trade was amazing. That was a home run. Yeah. You know? Well, put aside what they're doing to Cole Sillinger this year because wow. I, <laughs> I I remain convinced that this organization is ruining Cole Sillinger with every passing day. But the gigantic missteps that this organization has made in the last 18 months are increasingly harder to defend. Mm-hmm. Hiring Brad Larson, retaining yeah. Brad Larson, standing by Brad Larson, uh, signing Eric Branson to term and that money that is probably, you know, I would have been fine with them pay, overpaying Vladislav Gavrikov by a million dollars a year to keep him here because I think he's yep. fine, but mm-hmm. he's not, but you can't do that now because you have the Vladislav, because you have that Eric Branson contract on the books, which exactly. also should be noted, cost you Oliver Bjorkstrand, mm-hmm. a homegrown drafted player who was well-liked and well-received in the locker room. It, the, the missteps, it, it's getting to the point where I am, I have I have obviously very much been a Yarmo. I don't think Yarmo's the guy for the job, but this is just like the final nail in the coffin, man. It's like you had mm. you had one of the prizes here, and you could have well done well to the organization and the future of this franchise to set them up for success if you would have just eaten a bad contract or retained some salary. But you're so hell bent on getting Chikrin for because this team, like it was reported. On thirty-two thoughts this morning, this organization thinks they can be contenders next year if they get like a if they get a chicker piece. They're delusional. That isn't like I, I'm sorry. That is just not realistic in the in the NHL right now. Like you're like Columbus is not passing Carolina. They're not passing New Jersey, who just passed who just added Timo Meyer for pennies on the dollar. Uh, they're probably not better than the New York Rangers. Pittsburgh and Washington are. Hitting their hitting their skids because they're older, but then in, on the other side you've got Boston, you've got Toronto, you've got Florida, you've got Tampa, and I'm missing someone else who is. Uh, you've got the Red Wings who are resurgent. I don't think Columbus is better than any of those teams next season, regardless of if they added Chickering or not. It's 
it's not real. They're they're thinking too short term and in, in an almost way of, I need to save my job rather than about the long-term health of the future. And it's just, it, it is extraordinarily frustrating to see this organization just be mismanaged over and over and over again the last 18 months. And I, th- this is, this to me is a straw that has broken the camel's back. I, I am out on Yarmo and I want him, I, I can trust JD to stick around this next season and make mm-hmm. a hire for GM and head coach, but I don't want to see Yarmo or, Brad Larson back next season. This 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 has broken the camel's back for me. I am so like it is it is one thing for me to like be mad about a, a thing that Brad that Brad Larson does or a thing that Yarmo that I think Yarmo did wrong. You know, I didn't like you know some quote he made. This is an egregious misstep that screwed up potentially several years of the organization and it's all because they either didn't want to take a bad salary or didn't want to retain or they overplayed their hand and that is just egregious and inexcusable at, at the pro level i i can't I, i'm i'm out i'm washing my hands of this yeah well i'm i'm not even on board with keeping jd because i feel like some of the issues can be traced back to him as well i feel like the larson hire that reeks of a jd hire rather than a yarmo hire not to excuse Yarmo from it because he was on board with it too, but I feel like that was that has JD's fingerprints over it certainly. Um, and there's just this. I feel like in Yarmo's moves that there, it's not clear what kind of team he wants to build. You know, it's like does he want a a high flying offensive team or does he want like a big physical defensive team? Um, and the the two sides are not able to coexist and certainly not with the way that Brad Larson's coaching. The, the players don't necessarily fit together in terms of style of play and the roster doesn't fit what the coaches are trying to do. And what the coaches are trying to do doesn't fit with what winning hockey is in 2023 in the NHL. You can't have a, so I've bagged on Boone Jenner a lot. Boone Jenner's mm-hmm. actually been fairly good this season. Like yeah, fairly absolutely. impressive. You can't have a, Gaudreau, Jenner, Marchenko line playing second fiddle and playing fewer minutes consistently than a Corrali Olivier Robinson line. That's just that's a, and that's a thing that's happened consistently this season. And it is a fundamental one is a fundamental mismanagement of roster spaces because mm-hmm. you, you just you don't need the, all those guys. But second, it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of what the NHL is in calendar year 2023. Yeah. Like sure sure this team beat the Edmonton Oilers on Sunday in a high, a high flying high skill game where Jack Roslevic had two goals in the third period. <laughs> great, great win, you know, cool to see it. Um, that is more of a function of Jack Campbell has a seven sixty save percentage in his last <laughs> like nine starts since he's come back. Yeah. And also the Oilers defense is terrible more than it is anything. The blue jackets really did. Blue yeah, jackets well, also yeah. should, should be noted blew a four, nothing lead in that game. Yeah, and you know, as some of our commenters pointed out today, uh, you know, the thing with like the Corrali line, like that's an energy line. But the thing with an energy line is it's hard to sustain that energy over like 18 minutes a game or whatever. You know, you have to use them in third or fourth line minutes. And instead, Larson like relies on them so much. And then I was so I so I wrote I wrote a rant about deployment in my recap yesterday, right after the game. And I wrote and published my recap before seeing the post-game press conference. And in the in the press conference, Larson led with like, 
you know, well, you know, I think our guys just ran out of gas in the third period. But the thing is, in the third period, he went to a shortened bench. And the guys that he sat were the guys that also played the least minutes on Saturday's game. So it's like, yeah, of course the guys ran out of gas because you're using the same players all the time in both sides of a back-to-back. Are you insane? And the players that he sat in the third period were players who had been the most effective in the first two periods of Sunday's game. The Sillinger line was doing really well. They got a goal. Tim Bernie was the best defenseman in terms of possession numbers, and he didn't play down the stretch. Instead, you're playing like Gavin Bayreuther down the stretch. Like, what? How? How does this make sense? You have like, you know, uh, Bernie and Gabranson. Like, Bernie's the one guy who's made Gabranson look actually passable. And so that you you sit Bernie and put Gabranson with Peak down the stretch, and Gabranson and Peak, those guys could be good apart. They are not good together, and yet Larson keeps trying it, and it keeps not working. It is, And you have a large sample size at this point of that not working. Yes! I... uh... I, I think I think we have come. I think this this trade deadline and this this last week and this these these answers to me and everything this organization has done basically since the day they started scratching Gavrikov for trade related reasons has to me kind of laid bare all the issues of this organization. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not clear what they want to do from a direction of the team. They aren't super competent, apparently, or apparently they're cheap because they just like, I think that's indisputable at this point. This is a cheap organization that like, regardless of we're spending in the cap, if you're not willing to eat a bad contract over a couple hundred grand to get a first round pick, you're a cheap organization. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to just say it. Um, you're poorly coached and you fundamentally misunderstand what hockey is in calendar year 2023. It's, it's kind of just laid bare that we just this whole organization on the hockey op side needs a complete reset after this season. We need to figure we need to bring in someone who has a clear direction with where they want to take this team with the talent that's coming up because like we we've got some talented kids in the pros in the prospect pool. You know, yeah. Gierchek, Gierchek's probably going to be here next year, but Taychuk's a year maybe two away. Kuhlman's is close is getting closer. Svozel might be here next year. At worst, he'll be in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Dume might force his way onto this team yeah. with how he's playing in the AHL. Then you've got Marchenko, who's turning into a power forward that frankly makes Patrick Line a redundant on this team. You've got options, and we are still pot committed to got to hang on to guys like Branson and Olivier, and you can't eat a bad contract, and you can't take Craig Smith for six weeks. What are we doing here? Yeah. Like, this is a lost season. Who cares what happens down the stretch? I'm sorry if some if Boston reportedly wanted Matthew Olivier in one of these negotiations. It was reported somewhere. I mm-hmm. how is that not an automatic yes? Yeah, absolutely. Like, what what are we doing here? We're 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 hanging by a we're hanging our livestock or our livelihood as a franchise on a guy who's got five goals and thirteen points this season because he's an energy guy. Yeah. I'm sorry, like we yeah. and even even if you like Olivier, I think you have to admit like. His style of player is replaceable. There are lots of guys that can do what he can do. He's not special. You know, he fills no. a role, but he's not special. The the NHL, the NHL, a lot of, like, you see teams like, 
you see teams like Tampa or you see teams like Colorado who turn over their bottom six on a near yearly basis, mm-hmm. replacing those types of guys while they have their core, you know, you've got your Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman. You've got your McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, Makar. We don't have that talent yet. We might get one in the draft this year if we don't accidentally win a bunch of games down the stretch here. But we'll, but they they don't commit money in term to guys who aren't true special game changers. And this organization well, forever... Well, uh, had- I, I, I'll push back that with Tampa because they have made some moves. Uh, you know, they spent way too much to get Tanner Janot. They then, you know, they... Gave a lot for like Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel, and they resigned Nick Paul to like a seven year deal. It's a cheap deal, but it's a long deal. So, and I get what they're doing. They've got guys in their bottom six that are reliable. They do their roles and they secure those guys, and they're cheap, but they're spending a lot to get them. But, like, but, but when they were winning, you know, but yeah. when they were winning cups, like, and also, and also, Tampa's been to two straight or won two straight cups and been and lost a third straight final, like. Must be nice to be the, be in that position where you can take chances on Nick Paul. Like what, 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 I'm, what I'm saying is, we right. are we are not in the position to be relying like living and dying by Matthew Olivier types. Right. There should like, only be a handful of guys that are that are untouchable. Right. And and on that on this ro- and on this roster, it's guys like Ken Johnson and Kirill Marchenko and Gutierrez and Wawrinski. Yeah. Exactly. And Everyone. That's, yeah. That's Everyone else should be should and it's like th- this organization needs to know, needs to learn and figure out the value of what players are in the league as currently constructed because I'm so, I'm sorry I'm sorry John Davidson the 1990s aren't coming back mm-hmm. like you're not you're, you're not going to be able to clutch and grab and win two to one games all the way to hockey all the way to the Stanley Cup you're gonna eventually. Like I, I realize that it's popular to dig on Edmonton because oh they have these two generational talents and what have they sh- won with it? It's not Connor McDavid's fault that they mm-hmm. that you know Peter Chiarelli put nothing around him for a ha- the better part of a decade. He's he's on pace to like McDavid's on pace to put up 150 points this season. There is quite literally nothing more that do- that dude can do. He is dragging that team, well, kicking and, and screaming. The, the issue there is the same thing of. They have invested way too much in guys that are not important. Yeah, you know? they gave they gave, it, they gave Zach they Hyman an eight-year contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of one of the key like they gave like like to 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 your point, they gave Zach Hyman an eight-year contract. One of the key things that the Pittsburgh Penguins did those years that they were winning titles with Crosby when Crosby was healthy was they just kept turning over the winger who's playing with yep. Crosby. Because anyone we put next to this guy is going to yep. put up 40 goal or 30 goals and 60 points. You, you, you have to recognize where you... You have to recognize where you have talent and where you should be maximizing things. And the Blue Jackets have spectacularly done a terrible job of maximizing, of maximizing their areas of opportunity and much as this Gavrikov, like this Gavrikov situation, is the latest example. You had a serious area of opportunity where you had the market cornered and people bidding against you for this one defenseman. You had a framework in place and you couldn't close the deal. And it's it's the latest an example of this organization failing to close the deal. And it's just it's time for someone else to take over. Yeah. All right. So real quick, in the time we have left, 
Uh, it's time to make some quick hit predictions here for for the trade deadline. So start with Gavrikov. Where does he go, and what return do we get? Edmonton for a conditional third. Ooh, okay. Jonas Corposalo. Stays. Ooh, okay. That's a bold take. Gus Nyquist. I don't know. Somewhere somewhere for a conditional seventh that's if he plays fifty percent of their playoff games it becomes like a fifth rounder. I would say and I would say Carolina makes sense for a deal. Yeah, like that. G- given that they lost um what's his face? Patrick Max Pacioretty. Yeah. And that, and, that, and that they haven't they are also not able to get Timo Meyer and they need to make it at it forward and they have they've been kind of silent here, so that, that one could make sense. Yeah. And they're in a position where whoever they even if Gus needs a little time to get his legs under him in the first round, they're probably gonna win their first round matchup against Yeah. Pitt, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Buffalo, whatever whoever comes out of the bag of cats that is the wild card race. Yeah. And I would say for both Gavrikov and Corpusalo, a package deal to LA could make some sense. Because I think LA would maybe want a more trustworthy uh, goalie going into the postseason, one with some experience. And the problem with L- the problem with LA is they are stuck with that Cal Peterson contract, and that's a reportedly the hiccup with the Ch- with the Chickering deal. Is they want someone to take that Peterson deal off their hands, and we're not doing that. because eh, we've got our own issue with uh, Elvis Merzlikens there. So yeah, uh, I guess that can make sense, but uh, yeah, but I, I still I still think there could be there could be a, a market there. Now, uh, what about someone uh, with term like a Rosovic or a Peak or even a Jenner? Now, I agree we shouldn't trade Jenner, but do you see either of those three guys getting moved? Of those three, I don't I don't think Peak will move. I think teams are legitimately interested in Jenner. I just don't think Columbus is willing to trade their captain. If I, if I were the front office, I would be open for business on Jenner. I'd be, I'd be at least taking calls because we know he's had back issues in the past and he is obviously playing very well right now against next to Johnny Gaudreau. Like his value may never be higher the rest of his career. So I would be interested in unloading that given even recognizing what center depth that we have, what problems that may cause. I, I, I would listen, but I would say that there is no way that we are going to get a package that is, that matches what he is worth to us over the next three seasons. He's he's that on ice and off ice impact. He's that classic. He's that classic. uh, I I hate to pull out a Bill Simmons reference here, but I'm going to, he's the classic. He means more to us than he does to you type player. Mm -hmm. Um, The one I could see, and I touched on this in my trade deadline preview is Roslovic. Like Mm -hmm. if you could ship him to a contender, he may not play as a center on that team, but he could, filled in very nicely as a middle six scoring winger with some power play opportunity. I think, I think Roslovic to the right team could make some sense. And I could see that. I could see a move like that happening. Maybe a Seattle. They yeah. Like the former Columbus forward. So mm-hmm. that could work. All right. So we will be back next week to do our trade deadline recap. And uh, hopefully we'll have some good news to report. We'll see. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, check out JacketsCanon.com or follow us on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearly and the Howlin' Moons. Angela's new album, Turn Me Loose, is out now. Go to AngelaPearly.com for more music and show dates. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.